still remember how to do this. What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Thursday, January the 26th, 2023. It's episode 146 of the pod. We are back from a bit of a hiatus. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also listen over on YouTube, the In The Money Media YouTube channel. All you need to do is search bar, Matt Bernie, or show. You get this episode along with the 145 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe, all that jazz. Thoughts, feelings, opinions beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Or you can email PTF over on the In The Money email address, whatever it may end up being. I, I, I don't know. But I know he gets emails from folks, and he usually relays them on to me. Uh, all right, where to begin? Let's start with what this show will look like going forward. Been gone for, I mean, shit, let's call it five weeks now, roughly thereabouts. Last show was before Christmas in 2022. I had mentioned there were some things that may be going on or in the works that you know, could lead to a little bit of a delay here, and we needed to iron some things out. If you don't uh, watch or whatever the case may be, if you haven't um, heard, I now work full-time for FanDuel TV. I'm currently in South Florida. I've been at Gulfstream Park since the beginning of January. I will be here through Holy Bull Weekend, which is next weekend. From there, I will be on the road basically every week for the remainder of the year. There will be stops that I will be at, you know, longer than others, like this beginning off at Gulfstream or a couple other spots down the road. But, you know, we'll talk about that when the time comes. But I'll be on the road for the, the majority of the year. Uh, I am still working with NBC and I'm still working with In The Money Media. And I, I, I couldn't be happier to have all of these things afforded to me, knowing that the folks at FanDuel are good with me still doing the NBC work, and NBC is good with everything, and and PTF and JK and Drew and everyone are good with me doing all of this. So good position to be in. I'm very lucky, and, and hopefully everything goes well going forward. So that's what part of the little pause was all about. Uh, those of you that listen on YouTube, you'll notice that you don't see me, which, I mean, for your sake, is probably a good thing. You don't need to see me anymore, especially now. That I'm on, you know, between three and five days a week. If you if you watch FanDuel TV, you certainly don't need to see this mug more than that. But uh, if you're curious why there is no video element on YouTube anymore, it's because being on the road, I can't guarantee that I'm going to be able to upload video. We have uh, at home anyway, the sort of souped up internet that allows for faster upload and all that other jazz. But as many of you have experienced on your own or you've heard me and PTF discuss in the past, you can catch some real dodgy situations in hotels. And even where I'm staying now in, in Miami, I could probably pull it off, but I don't want you know an upload of four and a half hours and then producer Craig needs to get it and turn it around. And knowing that this is now going forward going to be a show that happens and is recorded later in the week as opposed to earlier in the week i just can't rely on hotel wi-fi to be the end-all be-all 
so there will no longer be a video element to this show. If you are over on YouTube, you can still listen, but you can just as easily listen on your phone or your you know, tablet or whatever it may be on any of those other platforms. The reason for the show being moved from where it always had been, sort of the, the Monday record goes up either Monday night or Tuesday, to more often than not on Thursdays, I guess the occasional Friday, depending on travel, uh, has to do with, with the, the short amount of time each week that I am home between the work week and the travel bookending things. Uh, when I'm home, I'm home. I won't be doing any work. I'll be doing work, but not this kind of work. It'll be, you know, at night once everyone has gone to bed and I'm trying to get a head start on looking at the races that I need to talk about, you know, a few days later. So with that in mind, that's why the show will not happen at the beginning of the week anymore. It will populate in your feeds or on YouTube Thursday night, Friday morning kind of thing. And in a weird way, it actually will end up being more like this show when the, the, the racing form, the daily racing form iteration of this show, when I would do two a week, the early week would be the recap, the late week would be the preview. This is probably going to be a, a marriage of the two, somewhere in the middle. But for the most part, it's going to be more of a look ahead than a look back. Now, a few other things for the rest of the year and the way that this show goes for as long as we're doing this show. The last show I will do that I am that we've agreed for me to do uh, for 2023 anyway, who knows what 24 has in store, but for 23, the last show would be uh, just after Breeders' Cup. So for all intents and purposes, all of November will be off and all of December will be off. This part of the year will be largely focused on what everyone focuses on. Derby and Oaks, big events, things like that. The sports handicapping will still be part of it for any of the big major events that are ongoing. You will hear projections for Sunday's games this week. Chiefs-Bengals, Eagles-49ers, conference championship games. And when I go over a field for a race, it's going to basically go right in post-position order. And I'll probably cap it at one, maybe two, I guess on the occasional week where there's you know, chaos, I think of the the prep week where we have the wood, the bluegrass, and the San Anita Derby. There might be three that week, knowing that I'm missing a boatload of races. But the field will go right in post-position order, and I'll give you not, in some cases, there will be definitive picks, and, you know, this is what I'm saying. And I don't know if you guys can hear, but the baby is in the other room. She's been a, a proper Florida woman for the past few weeks now. It's much nicer than back home. Um, but the the idea is to, to try to offer up some things that maybe when you went through and did your first pass, you didn't see or you wanted to just get an opinion or a take on whether it's a favorite or a long shot or whatever it may be. I don't know that I want to look at it as sort of your traditional handicapping, but I'm going to take every horse in the field for whatever race I'm talking about and give some thoughts, good, bad, ugly, 
beautiful, whatever. I think it'll be a little bit of an adjustment for me, certainly, just knowing that now the, the schedule is more to the back half. And I think the flow that the this show, as it had been constituted, had developed, there's going to be a little bit of a shift, but I don't think it's going to be so dramatic that you're going to notice a great deal. But I'm sure if you really wanted to, you could sit and listen to the way the show will be going forward and compare it and contrast it to the way the show had been for the past two and a half years, almost three years now. So that's just sort of the big picture overview of why this little delay happened, where we are right now, and where the show is going for 2023. And I'm also going to try, try my damnedest, to keep these things to roughly 30 minutes for many reasons. But I think purely from a retention standpoint, maybe it's a little shorter than some folks would like. Maybe it's a hell of a lot longer than others would like. Uh, it's, it's probably going to, we'll try to keep it to that sort of 30 minute-ish range, knowing that it's toward the end of the week. And, you know, there's, there's a great deal of content, all quality content that's out there at this time of week. And that's not lost on me, that I, I felt like we had carved out a good little spot at the beginning of the week, and now we're kind of in, in the, the thick of it with everyone else. Uh, but that's part of the reason also I, I don't want to just approach it from a sort of traditional handicapping standpoint. You're, you're going to be able to find great handicapping and information from all the other spots that you've always found at this time of week. Hopefully I can offer just a different take on things. So for this week's show, the first show back off the layoff, I know there is a big prep happening at Oaklawn. Also, just I guess for what it's worth, my schedule going forward for the next month anyway. I'm here in Florida and through Holy Bowl weekend. NBC this weekend on Saturday for Pegasus, NBC next Saturday for Holy Bowl, but I'll also be on FanDuel TV next Saturday in the morning as well as all the other days of the week, basically, that we're running here at Gulfstream. From here, I go to Golden Gate Fields in San Francisco area for the El Camino Real Derby. Then I go to the fairgrounds for the Risen Star. And then I go to Oaklawn for what I believe would be the Rebel. And that is my February schedule before returning back here at the beginning of March for the Fountain of Youth. The following week, I believe, I'd have to look at it. It's, oh, the following week might be Tampa Bay for the Tampa Bay Derby. Some of these things are subject to change, but then back to Oaklawn or the fairgrounds and then back to Oaklawn or the fairgrounds the following week. So it's some version of that and then we get by that point we're into april and we're dealing with santa anita and keeneland and getting ready for the derby so anyway that's what is happening going forward for this week's show again i know there's a big prep happening at oaklawn but i will talk about the big one happening down here in florida at gulfstream the pegasus world cup talk about the dirt horses not the turf and not the phillies race on turf those will be discussed more on FanDuel, 
as well as we'll cover live the Pegasus World Cup turf and the Pegasus World Cup dirt on NBC Saturday at 4.30 Eastern. We'll recap the Philly and Mare race happening prior to that. So I'll give you a look, some thoughts on the runners in this year's Pegasus World Cup on dirt. And then I'll give you some brief projections on the conference championship games happening on Sunday. If you have been listening to the show for, I don't know, a few months now, uh, you know we are invested. And I guess Mahomes is going to play, but Joey B. Joey B all the time, baby. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's first start with Saturday and the Pegasus World Cup. It is race 13 on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. It is the grade one Pegasus World Cup. The purse is $3 million. Mile and an eighth on the main track for four-year-olds and up. It's I think it's it's developed into the marquee main event for the beginning of the year here in the United States. Maybe there's more money overseas, whether it be Saudi Cup or Dubai World Cup, but I think this is a great starting off point, and I think this is a very competitive field that's been put together. Is it loaded with superstars and Hall of Famers? Not by a long shot. This year's field is different, I think, than years past. Uh, You just look back at last year. You had two brilliant horses. You had Life is Good. You had Nick's Go. The year before, you had Nick's Go. But in other years, we've had Gunrunner, and we've had Arrowgate, and we've had California Chrome, and we, we, you name it. There have been big, big horses that have run in this race. This year, uh, I, don't, I don't know that I can say we have the same caliber of runner. But the good news is, and I saw some people complaining about it on social the other day. Oh, you know, the quality is this, that, and the other. People just like the bitch. One, that's first. But... These are the same people that would be complaining if you had a superstar. Let's say Flightline hadn't been retired. Let's say he ran here. These are the same people that would be complaining if it was a field of of seven or eight. And I get it. For for this much purse money, there wouldn't be a field of seven or eight. You would fill the field. But it would be filler, just that. He would have no competition. And the same people complaining about no superstars in this field would be the ones saying, Oh, it's a terrible betting race. It's a walkover. He's going to win by seven. Well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So I, I like greatness as much as anyone. I don't think we have great, you know, air quotes, great horses in this race on Saturday, but it's a fabulous betting race. And if if that doesn't do it for you, I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. Move on. Do something else with your Saturday. But I think this is a great race. I think the the turf race is great. I think the whole card on Saturday is great. And if if you're not into good betting opportunities, then, you know, that's fine. If you're just a fan and you're saying, where's the star power? Sure. Fair point. But if you're one of those people that just flip-flops back and forth, and my God, there's so many people on social media that are just complete idiots. Uh, You know, whatever. I mean, there's a reason that they're all just chirping into the echo chamber. Anywho, this race, it's a full field. We know the quirks of a mile and an eighth at Gulfstream on the main track. Real short run into that first turn. Outside posts, really, really difficult to overcome. 
and your morning line favorite is Cyberknife, and he's breaking toward the outside. We'll get to him in a bit. But let's take him right in post position order. The number one's Proxy. 9-2 to two on the morning line for Michael Stidham. This is a homebred for Godolphin. I have in my trip notes from way back when, many moons ago, I thought he was... I thought there was something here with this horse early on as a three-year-old. And you can probably go back to this podcast during sort of the Risen Star, Lecompte, Louisiana Derby season of 2021. And listen back to some of my thoughts because I felt like he's just a project that he was going to take time. But I thought there was ability here, so much so that in the Louisiana Derby, my trip note says, project semicolon, Travers, question mark. Obviously, that didn't happen. But hopefully, you can understand the gist of it, that he he needs time. Now, I didn't think it would take him, you know, the better part of a year and a half. But he really started running some more complete races over the last three races, let's say, of his 2022 campaign. The Blame, which was a listed stake, was a prep to get ready for the Stephen Foster. Thought he ran well there. Comes back in the Foster. No match for the top two. Olympiad and American Revolution, but he ran really well there that day. Then he's gone for some time. And he comes back and he wins the Clark at odds of 5-2. to two. And no, he didn't beat a good field. But I think it just indicates anyway that this is a horse that is still figuring stuff out. But he's a much... He's a far more polished version of himself than he was a few years ago. Now... Breaking from the inside, I think, is a positive for him on Saturday. But I don't think he has the early kind of speed to establish a great position in there, especially with the amount of speed drawn to his outside. So if the speeds go and they can somehow clear him and come over, it's really going to be, I think, paramount for Joel Rosario to either break alertly and establish that position, which means you probably need to use a little bit more early than you want, or or you're going to be content saying, you know what? We know that there are three or four speeds to our outside. We're going to let them go, and maybe we take up a position similar to what we had in the blame, where we're three and a half, four lengths off of it, mid-pack, let them just you know bang heads early on, and maybe we can come with a run. The two, simplification. Admittedly, never been the biggest fan of this horse. Uh, I think I had mentioned it last year on the Derby Trail through Florida. A, that I didn't like any of the the three-year-olds down here. I just didn't think last year's group was particularly good. Uh, To this point, I think I've been sort of validated with that opinion, and I wasn't the only one that thought that. I thought he ran well in the Harlan's Holiday. The problem is, I look at his his PPs, and while he is incrementally running faster, he keeps running into horses that he's going to run into again here. And I don't know where the forward move's coming from. Or let's let me rephrase that. The forward move enough to win. Can he get a piece? Sure. He loves loves Gulfstream. Never been out of the money in seven lifetime. Got three wins. I don't know what his best distance is. I don't know that I'm convinced a mile and an eighth is it. He might be more of a one-turn miler. Nice horse. I'm playing in the Pegasus World Cup betting challenge on Saturday. I don't want to say definitively one way or the other, but... I can at least insinuate and give you a vague idea right now. I mean, I can't imagine using him anywhere. Maybe underneath, maybe third, if I'm playing a try. But beyond that, I, I won't have him on top. Nice horse, just not my cup of tea. 
Riding with Biden. Interesting entrant. Primarily from a pace standpoint. Not sure I think the talent is there to win a race like this. We have seen big prices run well underneath, though, in the history of this event. If nothing else, I think he muddies things a little bit. And the fact that Julian Leperu's aboard, Paco, who typically has ridden this horse recently, he's on simplification. Riding with Biden, I think Julian's got... The only way the horse can win is by going. So if they're here to try to win, he needs to be aggressive. Larry Colmas and I were talking uh, on our show earlier today about... I think Leperu on the front is as good as anyone. I think he does a very good job of getting horses to relax out there. The difficult position he is in in a spot like this is I think he's got to use early. The problem is the other horses aren't... He's not going to be able to get clear, I don't think. And if he does get clear, he's probably gone way too fast. I think he's in a really, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of position. But I do think he just adds to the pace dynamic of the race. Unless, 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 underscore, 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 they're just trying to cash a check. In which case, maybe you let the speeds to your outside go, you tuck in behind, and you ride a rather passive race and you try to just pick up some pieces. White Abario. I've been on record many times saying I've just not really been a huge fan of this horse. I think Safi Joseph's done a great job with this horse. He loves Gulfstream. There's no two ways around that. He is four for 10 lifetime, and in four starts at Gulfstream, he has won all of them. So this is, he he appreciates it down here. You know, I guess I still look at him and say, I don't know that he's good enough. If it's purely a horse for course angle, I mean, this is your answer right here. You're looking at, I would assume, probably close to 10. I haven't priced the race out yet. Can't imagine him lower than 7 or 8, given some of the other names in here. I will say, he's got beautiful tactical speed. I I would think that should work to his advantage in here, but I I don't know that I'm thrilled with with any of his races for for being honest. He was much the best in the Florida Derby last year. He was he was extremely wide. But I I you know, I don't think he beat much. And beyond that, he'd been tested against a, a few good horses and he just never really never really fired. The Scar Mile was a good good effort. I don't I don't want to take anything away from him there. But I will say of the Safi Joseph runners, there's there's at least one that I like better than him if not two. And Safi has three. Do with that what you will. Defunded. Bob Baffert, Arad Ortiz Jr. The horse is fast. Now, on figs, he's not overly fast. Pace-wise, in many ways, he's kind of the key to the race because I don't know that I love him sitting off of a target. Now, he has run well off of targets in the past. It's not as though he can't go by runners, but I think... For Baffert to ship a horse to Florida, and he's a horse that has speed, I think the idea is put him on the engine and let's go. I also don't think it's it's you know anything minor to acknowledge that a Rad Ortiz Jr. takes the mount. I've I, I like the horse. I don't know that I'm picking him. But he seems to be, in my eyes anyway, the proper speed of the speed in this race. And if you're going to beat him, you're either going to need to run him down or 
you're going to need to be up there dueling with him and put him away and then likely hold off everybody coming from behind. Art Collector, 10 to 1 on the morning line. Art Collector is a very funny horse because when he has been tested against some better runners, he's failed. When he has been able to get out and just kind of strut his stuff against inferior, and I say inferior, he's got a couple big wins on his card. And he defeated Maxfield. Maxfield, you know, I, I think he was probably like a grade one and a half type, but he's a good horse. The problem I have for Art Collector in this race is you're drawn just outside of Defunded. He's going to go. Riding with Biden probably goes. There's some other speed in here. Let's say you want to get out there and run early. Well, anytime he's had to run early, he doesn't have much left in the tank at the end. Okay, fine. The alternative is you take off and you let them go and you try to run them down. Maybe you get first run on the closers. The problem with that is I don't think he'd be the best closer in the race. So I think Art Collector's in a really precarious spot. I just don't know that I love the way the race sets up on paper for him. But he should be every bit of the 10 to 1, I would think, unless he takes some crazy amount of money. Skippy Longstocking is, I can't say absolutely where I'm going to go, but I, I just, I like this horse. This is another one of Saffy Joseph's runners. I thought the Harlan's Holiday represented a legitimate step forward. Now, I thought he ran well in the West Virginia Derby. I liked him in the Pennsylvania Derby. For whatever reason, he didn't pick his feet up. But he was very wide, so I don't want to hold that against him totally. The Belmont, you know, he did well to run third behind Mo Donegal and Nest. The question is, why is Arad Ortiz not here? Why did he jump on Baffert horse? You don't lose a ton when you pick up Jose. But I just wonder, and maybe I'm overthinking it, but I think Skippy Longstocking could possibly be a horse that, when you saw him as a three-year-old, you thought one thing, and now as a four-year-old, he's going to show that there's there's more than meets the eye, that that maybe maybe he is the one in an older division that that seems a bit a bit weak right now, aside from Taba. Maybe Skippy Longstocking is one that can take a big step forward. Get her number. Peter Miller, Luis Saez, effectively stretching out in distance, getting back to two turns for the first time since April of last year, which was in a grass race. I think he's got to go. I know he's passed horses in the past, and he's tracked slow paces in sprint races. But just on the stretch out, I don't think he's going to be good enough to try to run horses down. He finished ahead of White Abario in that cigar mile. I think they need to be aggressive with him. And if nothing else, I think he just adds to the pace scenario. I don't love his chances in this race, but part of me believes he could play a major role in this race. Last Samurai. He's a cool horse. I, I don't have much else to say. I, I mean, I if he wins, something crazy will have had to have happened. Nice horse. Would love to be involved with him. I have a hard time seeing him winning this race. Maybe, maybe he can get a piece. At a big number. Cyberknife, your 5-2 to two morning line favorite. Saw him school in the paddock earlier today. You know, looks beautiful. Has figs. Has got many races on his page good enough to win. Perhaps the pace scenario actually works to his advantage with the speed to the inside. And the outside draw won't matter because they're going to go. He's going to slot over, save some ground, be fine. 
I like Cyberknife when he is, you know, nine to two, seven to one when I had him in the Haskell. I don't know if I like him at two to one, nine to five, even five to two for that matter. Good horse. Don't know that I think he's a superstar. And at a short number in his swan song before he goes off to the breeding shed, uh, I'm inclined to side against. Stiletto Boy, I had him keyed underneath in a Superfecta last year for this race. And as long as you had the key underneath, you figured the top was pretty easy. I went, life is good, Nick's go, life is good, Nick's go. Stiletto Boy all. You can flip the bottom too if you want. His form is not quite what it was coming into this race last year, in my eyes anyway. But at 30-1, to 1, why can't he get a sliver? And just a sliver. He's not going to win this race. If he does, chaos ensues. But Stiletto Boy, you could do worse, I think, underneath. And O'Connor. Now, O'Connor is probably the one I'm having the most difficult time deciding what to do with. Because he was very buzzy coming in to the United States. His debut made it look like he could be anything. When he won on October 16th, he won by six lengths, earned a big buyer. Comes back in the Harlands holiday. I don't think it was a great trip by any means. And I got to go back and watch the tape a little bit more. But second off the bench with that race under his belt, initially, I look at O'Connor and think, okay, well, maybe we got something here. He's got a break from post-12. I love Javier. What what kind of trip is he going to work out from out there? You almost can't help but be, be hung wide. Because he's not a confirmed closer, and he's certainly not a speedball. So no matter what, I I feel for Javier. I feel for Safi. This is a tough spot for this horse. And and he's really done nothing wrong. He's, he's a professional racehorse. It's just a matter of what the hell do you do out there. I'll have to look back at that Harlan's Holiday a little bit more before I really solidify an opinion. But I, th- I think, unfortunately, O'Connor is in a really, really difficult spot. It's the first show back, and I'm already breaking one of my rules. We're, we're over 30 minutes right now, so I'm going to burn through the projection for Sunday's conference championship games in the NFL, and that'll wrap up this week's show. Uh, we'll start with the game between the 49ers and Eagles. I have Philadelphia winning 25.0 to 24.3. The Brock Purdy thing, I think, is so far blown out of proportion. He's good. He is serviceable. He's a good quarterback and just good. I mean, he is not a Hall of Famer. Some people are talking about him like he's the second coming of Joe, uh, Joe Montana. It, it's like preposterous to me. He he has made a number of screw-ups, and he just hasn't gotten burned by him yet. And the minute he gets burned by him, then people are going to immediately jump off that bandwagon and say, oh, he's, he was the third stringer to begin with. What did you expect? No, no, no. Again, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're talking about him like he's God's gift— you also need to be objective when he screws up. And I think he's going to screw up on Saturday, or excuse me, on Sunday. I think the Eagles are a better team. Keep in mind, the projections are effectively based on three things for me. The sports book is one element. A power rating is another. And then a player model, a player's individual model. Okay, it's And honestly, it's the thing that I think is, for me, much different than many of the other projections that you get out there or you hear from other people. Excuse me. The idea of my power rating has this a very close game, but the big difference is the player model. The player model 
gives Philadelphia a fair advantage, and I think it really kind of makes up for that half a point or so. And I'm not talking about massive margins in, in that game specifically. The second game, we'll dive into that. But I think it's going to be a close game. I still don't totally love Jalen Hurts, but on that team with that talent, A.J. Brown is, you know, outstanding. Devontae Smith, outstanding. Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders. They've got weapons all over the place. The Eagles have been the best team in the NFC from the the jump this year. They just have been. And I think they get the job done. I think they move on to the Super Bowl. The second game. Again, if you have been listening to this show for any length of time, I believe I tweeted it and I made the bet before Thanksgiving. I said, I think it's time to invest in the Bengals to win the AFC. And since then, they have not lost. And I don't, I don't expect them to lose on Sunday. All the talk about Mahomes and his ankle. He's practicing now. Oh, he looks fine. It was all about nothing. The line has moved like in an insane way. Forward, back, up, down, left, right. To me, it doesn't make a difference. I'm probably on an island here. Well, I know I am on an island. To have such a substantial difference. I had this number assuming a 100% healthy Mahomes. And I, if you can go back to one of these shows, you know, a month and a half ago, I said either I'm overzealous on the Bengals or, which is almost impossible in this day and age, or I have f- figured something else out with my numbers and my model that for whatever reason, the books have not caught up to. I have the Bengals winning 26.6 to 23.6 on the road, at Arrowhead. I, I just think, and, and I think the, the offensive line thing for the Bengals has been way overblown. Is it important? Of course it's important, but this is a team that just purely based on talent, I think they have everything you possibly could ask for. And as far as the Chiefs are concerned, I said it again, you can go back a few, a month and a half, something like that, six weeks, seven weeks. I said, I, I just get whiffs of fraudulent from them. I, I don't fully buy into the Chiefs team this year. I just don't. So I have a Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl. I hope the Bengals win so I can cash this ticket. And I will retweet it. That that tweet from, you know, November, whatever it was. If they do win. It was time to invest in the Bengals. We did so, and hopefully we cash soon. So there you have it. I have a Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl. Let me know your thoughts about the two conference championship games, Pegasus World Cup Dirt, which you heard about just a few minutes ago, the turf, the Philly and Mare turf, any of the races on Saturday at Gulfstream, or anything else that you may want to hear on this show going forward. I appreciate all of you sticking around. We need to iron some things out. I think we're all good, all on the same page. Looking forward to 2023. Looking forward to the Pegasus on Saturday and looking forward to everything else ahead with both in the money media both with all parties in the money media nbc and FanDuel tv you can follow me on twitter at bernie or underscore matt that's going to do it for episode 146 of the show until next week best of luck however you play whatever you play 